to be walled garden. Nobody knows this for sure, meaning you got to buy direct through them. They have preferential deals for larger advertisers because they can sell huge chunks inventory, so it's easier to manage. Hulu's doing that right now. Um, Hulu sells a lot of their advertising direct through their own platforms, and then they make a little bit available programmatically where companies like Awarity can buy ad space for our clients, but that availability ebbs and flows. They're almost selling what they can't sell to the big advertisers there. And if you watch those commercials closely, you'll generally only see large companies on some of these platforms. Thank you so much for tuning into Journey with Christian D. Evans podcast. I'm your host, Christian D. Evans. Now, we have had a lot of people on our podcast talking a lot about paid ads and SEO and different ways to optimize your strategies. However, though, one of the things that I wanted to have this next guest on is because he uh, runs an incredible digital marketing agency for, for many, many years, helping many, many companies really scale through this strategy, through this channel. And many of us have, we, you know, myself included, have misconceptions on how to leverage this, how to get the right data, how to get the right messaging and clarifying and simplifying to get and make sure you get the right, the right amount of people, the right amount of leads, the right amount of call to action for that individual and for that channel. So that's the reason why we're going to be unpacking a lot on regarding banner ads and how to leverage it on different platforms. We see the massive volume that people are on it on these platforms and how to leverage it and how to make sure you get them into your top of funnel as well as middle funnel. Please welcome the CEO and founder of Awarity, my friend, Aditya Varnasi. How are you doing today, my man? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, hey, I'm really excited about diving into this because first of all, before we dive into this, I, I really wanted to talk a little bit about your, your engineering background because I, I thought it was really interesting how you brought your engineering background to the digital marketing world and how we all know, you know, engineers are very, very articulate and very micro in the way they analyze data. And I'm curious, Aditya, have you, how has leveraging the engineering background that you have, how has that impacted your digital marketing business and when you're working with clients? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a great question. And I guess you're right. You don't generally see a lot of people with an engineering background in this in this field, um, you know, I think for me the biggest thing that engineering taught me was problem solving. You know, how do you identify a problem, frame it, have a linear pathway on how you're going to solve it, test, measure, learn, adapt until you get to a solution. And if if you take anything away from engineering school, that's really the methodology that they focus in on pretty heavily. And I think it, it, it helped me think about marketing, which can be this big, abstract, overwhelming subject where there's a million options, no single right answer, and try to bring some structure on how, how we approach marketing and, and advertising. Well, what's interesting to me also is that you've worked with some very, very large brands. And before we got on this podcast, one of the things we wanted to discuss today is how you are able to take a very large company. I mean, you're talking, you know, Hampton and and Saks and USA and New York Life and Epic Carts and and so many of these very well-known companies, leveraging the banner ad strategy. But before we dive into this, when you're taking their message, like you just mentioned, and then you're able to simplify but also bring clarity to it, what does that process look like? Yeah, it's you know, it's it's interesting because. I think you take that engineering background and then the classical brand marketing training from PepsiCo, Frito-Lay on how you really hone a brand message. And 
if you remember, consumers are exposed to four to 6,000 ad messages a day. We're being hit from all sides at all times a day. And there's a lot of noise out there in our ear. And, and generally, the messages that we remember are the ones that speak to us, they address a pain point we have, and they present a solution we can really quickly understand. Because if we're, if we're receiving four to 6,000 messages a day, we're only gonna remember so much. And we're only gonna remember the things that really connect with our heart. And that's why the whole idea of emotion behind advertising is so important. You want your consumers to feel something when they see an ad. And a lot of time that feeling isn't long, verbose explanations of every possible feature outcome, but it's hitting that one salient point that really connects personally and says, you know what, that's worth learning more about. And, and, and the second part of that is nobody buys on one ad message. And when we embrace that, we realize there's a role of different messaging throughout that customer journey from awareness all the way to conversion and purchase. And there's different things people need to hear along the way to help them understand where you fit in with that journey. And so being very thoughtful about what you need to get across to take that first step is different than that second step, then maybe different in that third step, but there has to still be a theme of consistency down to how you're helping address a consumer pain point and provide some unique value to them. Well, what I always found interesting, when you're working with these large companies, they almost have like mini avatars, right, um, within their ecosystem. And I am, I'm intrigued and I'm curious, do you have one main streamline? Like you think about Nike, for example, um, or, or even like some of the companies that you've worked with and partnered with, uh, you know, uh, Champs Chicken or, or Aloft Hotels, for example, which is a big, big um, world-renowned kind of hotel. They have, you could be working, you could be targeting the business consultants that travel all the time. You could be talking to the families that, that want to go on vacation because that service is kind of that ecosystem. I'm curious when you're developing this, do you develop certain, like you mentioned, simplified, clear messages, but very targeted to those audiences? Or is it more of a large kind of a brand message that could resonate with, with numerous different avatars in their ecosystem? You know, the, the first thing we try to understand is what's the business strategy? Ultimately, what's the business trying to accomplish? Where's their growth coming from? Where's their current customer base? How do they uniquely solve a customer pain point and provide value in their lives? And we find that when there's a great synergy behind business strategy and marketing strategy, that's when you have the greatest chance for success. So like you cited Aloft Hotels, we've worked with a handful of their properties. We work with them on an individual level. So what we may see in one market is a different need than another market. We worked with one that was near some major attractions and they wanted to promote their proximity to major attractions. Worked with another one that opened and they, they invested in a bar that they wanted to be, become a community bar uh, based on the demographics of that market. And that's a very different message there, but it's all tied together with the theme of what makes Aloft unique. Uh, it's that modern, modern appeal of, of a hotel that makes you feel like you're, you're, even when you're in a suburban area, it almost gives you an urban vibe to it. Oh, I like what you're saying there. So even within the umbrella of these hotels, yeah. right, it is very um, community centric, if you will, depending upon obviously what their message looks like and then adjusting right. that message. So maybe the end result, which is a hotel, but obviously identifying that message and I, and that makes, but it makes much more clear um, 
uh, sense. So I would love to talk a little bit about, because first to help our audience understand awarity, mm-hmm. what that does, and then as well as why this is a different channel compared to those channels that we've all heard before. We've heard Facebook, we've yeah. heard YouTube. This is a different channel that many of them have heard of or they may not have heard of. And then obviously, if you could just tell us a little bit about like the 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 power and, and the um, the missed opportunities that companies are missing out on. Yeah, no, that you know, I'll, I'll take a I'll take a step back. Um, so when I was at Frito Lay, we ran this marketing regression on our marketing mix. So we plotted every week of pricing, um, perimeter space, are we featured in the grocery store circular, TV advertising, brand promotions, digital investment. We put everything on a week by week, in a week by week spreadsheet. And it was ultimately uh, put into a data processing where a regression was run. And the regression looked at every input in the marketing mix and ultimately how much product did we sell coming out of it. And obviously it sounds really simple, but you can imagine the data cleanup and and the running of the regression was fairly complicated. And, And what it showed was, hey, if we have a pricing discount on Cheetos, we get a certain amount of lift. Right? You could, you could do the math. You could say, hey, for every 50 cents we discount, we're selling this much more product because people are value shoppers. You know, there's a segment of population that buys on value. You could say every time we get on the perimeter, we get this much lift. Every time we run TV, you know, we have a certain amount of product lift because the brand's now top of mind. And I want to take this one step further. I mean, who doesn't know what a Cheeto is? Everybody knows, knows Cheetos. So why is a brand like Cheetos advertising? What we found was when you have that pricing on top of in-store feature, on top of TV advertising, maybe even on top of some brand promotion that's running on social media, it wasn't just additive, that effect. It was, it was an amplification. And it, and it makes sense. You know, customers watching TV, there's a lot of snack choices we have out there. Sweet, salty, healthy, savory. There's a whole host of snack choices. But when you see it on TV, you remember that's why I love Cheetos. It's orange, it's messy, it's playful. It makes me feel like a kid again. I get the orange fingers. And you're like, oh, that, I, I love Cheetos. Then you go into the store and you say, oh, I see Cheetos on their perimeter. Oh, by the way, it's 50 cents off this week. And think about it from the consumer mindset. You're just much more likely to make that purchase and buy the product. And so when you, when you put it through that lens of the old adage being consumers need to see an average of seven times before they take action, a lot of businesses were missing on that top of funnel, that way to seed the thought, start to generate some demand. And you see a lot of particularly smaller businesses investing only at the bottom of the funnel. So if you take paid search, for example, you're only reaching people that are actively searching. Those are people near the finish line of their journey, and they're likely going to click on the ad that they're most familiar with or the brand they're most familiar with. But hey, they report a cost per conversion and people feel like that's a really great metric, but it discounts everything that happened in advance of that purchase. You know, I liken it to a football analogy. It's like saying, hey, we score touchdowns with the halfback dive because we run it on the two-yard line. It's a great play when you're on the two-yard line, but what are you doing to get yourself in that position to score? And so that learning from, from PepsiCo and kind of the emergence of what we call programmatic advertising it made me think there's really a way to take this ecosystem and build meaningful top of funnel awareness, seed demand, and use that to help small businesses across the country 
generate new demand and, and get better responsiveness out of their other marketing investments. I felt like that was really the missing piece when I looked at what most businesses, small to mid-sized businesses are doing versus what the PepsiCo's of the world were doing. It's filling that top of the funnel. And the reason most businesses don't do much on the top of the funnel is it's, it can be really expensive. You know, think TV advertising, billboard advertising, print, it's all really expensive. It's not always efficient. It's not always reaching the people you want to reach. And at the same time that, you know, kind of these thoughts, these observations were hitting, you know, programmatic advertising was really emerging. Everybody's on the internet every day. We're all on websites every day. I mean, even social media, less than half of social users are in social media daily, believe it or not. But everybody's checking the news, weather, sports scores, watching videos, everybody's on websites. But the programmatic ecosystem was really expensive, generally inefficient, relied a lot on third-party cookie data, which made things even more expensive. And the adoption was fairly limited. And so the thought with Awarity was, can we help these local small businesses advertise, advertise only in the zip codes that they have a presence? So you might be on a national website like ESPN.com, but it's, your ad's only seen when you're in your local zip codes. We could use different methods of targeting, like content-based targeting, otherwise known as contextual targeting, where if somebody's reading about how to fix your broken air conditioner, we can place an ad for an HVAC company on that page. If somebody's reading about knee pain, place an ad for an orthopedist. Uh, maybe between 10 and 12 o'clock, we can heavy up placements of great lunchtime spots because just as people are starting to get hungry, thinking about what they're gonna do for lunch, let's heavy up placements and get really creative with how we can use all the different ways we can target these ads without infringing on user privacy, but place it in a really meaningful way. Going back to the old adage of being relevant for the user, something that tugs on their heartstrings, but also provide them a solution that's relevant and means something to them with a really simple ad. And that really was the impetus for, for Awarity was to say, hey, if we could fill that top of the funnel, do so very efficiently, do it affordably. Our campaigns start from $299 a month uh, for, for local small businesses and reach the people they wanna reach with a compelling message. It's not only gonna introduce them to new, new people, new customers that may not have otherwise heard, it's gonna do so far more efficiently than any other form of advertising out there because it's so targeted. See, and I love that analogy, by the way, with the football. I think that was interesting. It's a great play, but only that the two yard line, right? So it's not right. like it's ineffective. It's a fantastic, but the way you use it, right? And I love what you're saying as well. See, I think majority of us, we're always thinking about how we can close, you know, collapse timeframes and how when we spend a dollar, when can I get that two, three dollars back very quickly, right? And obviously, and that's return on ad spend, et cetera. And so one of the things I think I love your your approach is, hey, being you can still have that same mindset, same strategy, but just with this different channel. And you're, you're realizing that you're getting in front of those people that are they tend to be. And I, I know the stats. I think people on Facebook are only on like for 60 sec, uh, 60, you know. 60 seconds to like four minutes or five minutes or yeah. something like that. And then obviously you got LinkedIn and you got all these different ones have different, different timestamps. And I love what you're saying. We, we, we put so much emphasis on it. That's why I wanted to have you on. So let's talk a little bit about uh, more in depth. You gave a few examples, which I really appreciate. So let's say for example, or, or give us maybe a, um, a case study that you've worked with where, hey, this was their product, this was their service, um, and all the thought process that goes into it. I know you said it, it 
you know, you're, you're leveraging third-party cookies and information. So it's hard to gather that data. And so though you're, you do, you and your team at Awarity, you guys do some creative uh, research to gather the right data to create an effective campaign so let's just you know give us a case study unpack yeah. what you did kind of the the thought process the perspective and then obviously the result as well man yeah no I, i'll give a um i'll use one for a minor league baseball team the texas rangers double a affiliate just down the street the frisco rough riders they were the first minor league baseball team to jump in we're now working with 50 to 60 different teams across the country and um they worked with major league baseball's preferred partner and what they did sounded really, really smart. You know, they were they were using what are called lookalike audiences. I'm sure many of us have heard those terms, and it's like, hey, who doesn't want more people that look like the people already coming to your website? But when you when you peel back and say, what are we really trying to solve for? When you're a minor league baseball team, you're providing family entertainment. You're providing a moment for families to come together, enjoy a night out of the house, you know, enjoy some food, some drinks. And, and spend some time together. And so you're not competing necessarily against other sports. You're not just trying to bring the same people back. You're really trying to reach your community at large. So the approach that they were taking prior to working with us was heavily using these lookalike audiences. And so the way that these work is, you know, there's a pixel on their website. That pixel captures the device IDs of everybody that's visited their site and then they match it to existing third-party data sets. And so there's a third-party data set of, these are all the people that drive Hondas. These are all the people that drive pickup trucks. These are all the people that eat at Applebee's on Friday night. And what it's doing is it's just looking for where those pixels, where that population over-indexes with an existing set. And then serving more ads to that. So for example, you could say, hey, the Frisco Rough Riders over-indexed with people that eat at Applebee's and drive pickup trucks, as an example. And let's advertise more to them. Well, you're missing all the people that drive SUVs. You're missing all the people that drive sedans. You're missing all the people that take public transportation, as an example, and it eat at all the other different reg restaurants in the area. So what we did is we took a step back and we said, hey, their real business need is to reach families and showcase to those families they could provide a really fun night together full of memories that and, and and an experience that's very unique in the market so we tar instead targeted more the community at large because they're in a suburban area there's a lot of families naturally here we focus on driving reach can we reach as many families as possible and just remind them how much fun it is to come out to the ballpark a few nights of summer put together an animated ad that brings that to life, showcase the mascot, the food, the fun, show kids running the bases after the game, which, which they allow. And let's get that message out there in mass at the lowest possible cost per impression, highest possible ad placement quality. And the results were we delivered three times the trackable ticket sales per dollar spent than what they were doing prior. And so, you know, and I think the nuance on this is to a couple of things you've, you, you know, you, you'd mentioned before. One, it's about being simple. It's just about a fun family, family night out versus all the other alternatives. So make sure that message is simple. Don't overthink the targeting and try to outsmart people or outsmart the system to say, well, we're going to use these lookalike audiences that are super sophisticated. They are sophisticated. There's no doubt. 
But if you don't apply that logic filter and say, who are you really trying to reach? You're going to miss people that could have that great night out. And then at the end of the day, we delivered six times more impressions because we were not relying on that expensive third party data. And that six times more impressions was really the key behind reaching more people, which ultimately led to more sales for this team. Now, I, I love this. So let me ask you with in this case situation here, what was your call to action? Was it, hey, go buy a, a uh, ticket or was it more of, hey, learn more about this information and what we do, et cetera, et cetera? What, would, what did that look like a little bit? Yeah, it was really about just explore more. That's really the notion of the ad. And then we want to get them to the website. One other interesting data point, which I think would surprise a lot of people, it surprised me when I heard it. When, when we track ticket sales or when we track conversions, whatever that is, whether it's an app download or a lead form or an online purchase, over 98% of those conversions actually follow an impression, not a click. Less than 2% actually follow a click. People think clicks are everything, but ultimately we're seeing over and over again across every industry, every vertical, the impression does the heavy lifting. So when we just tell them a story, reminding them why they love coming out to the ballpark, it sticks. They may not want to stop reading the article they're reading and click and go look at the schedule, or they may click and check the schedule and then go check with friends and family, then come back and purchase later. We see time and again that impression is what matters showcasing the experience is what matters and going back to that same point of just something that means something to the audience. I like this approach. Uh, and the reason why is it's almost like that subconscious, right? It's, yeah. it's allowing us to understand that we don't have a, have to have because many of our listeners are direct response. We've heard, okay, Hey, you know what? We have to have a call to action constantly and get them to come over here to LP a landing page. And then obviously go through the funnel, et cetera. But what you're basically saying, Hey, you know what? Let's clarify the message, simplify the message. And at that right time, right. They see that. And subconsciously it's kind of planted in just like you were saying as well with the Cheetos. Right. Then all of a sudden when they get to that place, like, Hey, I see Cheetos. I remember that. Hey, I want to do that. Right. The experience. And they, 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 uh, they remember that feeling that you evoked in them by yeah. looking at and, and, and consuming that content. So yeah. I love that. Now, let me ask you this. Do you find some of the, the banner ads that you deploy? Because you, you, know, you could go to be ESPN and someone could go to Fox News or CNN and those, those, those ads will be shown, right? In that zip code associated to obviously that, 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 the market. Does that add validity almost to your ad as well? Because they're shown on these professionally developed um, websites and, you know, obviously what, where people traffic quite often. No, we, we've had clients site and we actually show people on our dashboard, the top 10 sites they're on and they love it when they see sites that they recognize or sites they visit on there. But I'll be honest, sometimes they see sites they're not expecting. I think there is a website called cool math games and it pops up from time to time in the top 10 domains. And I've had people say, what is that? And we didn't know what it was either. And then we looked into it and A, they serve super high quality ads. B, they have really great economics on the cost per ad placement. And by the way, it's a top 100 website for organic visits in the country. Web behavior is really fragmented. And so we're, you know, we're obviously making sure we're serving on safe sites and um, fraud free sites. And, and there's a host of factors that go into make sure that the placement is high, is the highest possible quality and the lowest possible cost. But 
we're also meeting people where they are, which sometimes isn't the same as where they where you know the brand decision makers we work with are actually visiting themselves. That's always a it's always surprising. And some people love it. Some people they have questions about it. So I've never heard of that site. Why why am I there? But to your point, yeah, people love seeing their their ad on sites they recognize. We had a client once. Um, There's a local radio show, and he sent me a screenshot, and he said, "That's it. I'm in for life." Because that was the one place I wanted to be was was his local radio show and he saw his ad there and he was like upset see and i i think that's so important because i do know it's almost like a subconscious thing when they see your face or your content or your brand associated with a a a website that they frequent that often it almost becomes more familiar right oh cool wonderful even though they may or may not understand that it's an ad it becomes more familiar uh which of course that that sales conversion uh, increases. Now, I want to talk a little bit about, um, because you guys do this platform quite quite effectively with a TV. Uh, a lot of people are using mm-hmm. TV for different platforms, and they got the, you know, Roku and Amazon and all these different mm-hmm. little things. Um, and I know you were mentioning one example in regards to the Cheeto, but what other ways have you found? I've noticed that some of these these platforms, they're very exclusive with the content that they give out. Right. Mm-hmm. That you're, you're not able to get the impressions and get all the data as much as you want. And you're not able to get as much information as you would from like Facebook and, and YouTube because it's just it's just different. So I would love for you to just share and unpack kind of what you found is effective um, gathering that data. And again, developing a really clear, simplified message uh, on that specific channel. Yeah. T- and, and TV's TV's different. Um... You know, banner ads, I think it's it's the universal equalizer. We're all on websites every day, whether we recognize it or not. That's where we get so much information in our daily lives. Everybody's on websites. TV's much more fragmented. You know, I can go a few days without watching TV, or maybe I watch exclusively cable TV, or I exclusively watch YouTube TV, or Pluto TV, or Hulu, or whatever that is. And it's a bit more fragmented. And right now, the industry candidly is is fragmented. You know, the pandemic marked this huge change in consumer behavior. Americans are now watching a billion more hours a week on streaming. 80% of households are now streaming. And streaming surpassed linear and even surpassed cable by a Nielsen study a couple of months ago as far as total viewership. But it's really fragmented because you have things like Netflix, which currently doesn't sell any ad space. Now they're looking at it. So we can never, if you exclusively watch Netflix, you're never going to get a commercial right now until they start an ad supported tier. The Disney ecosystem, Disney Plus, they don't, they don't serve ads right now. Now they're looking at an ad supported as well and planning to roll out an ad supported as well. But they're both probably going to be walled garden. Nobody knows this for sure, meaning you got to buy direct through them. They have preferential deals for larger advertisers because they can sell huge chunks inventory so it's easier to manage. Hulu's doing that right now. Um, Hulu sells a lot of their advertising direct through their own platforms and then they make a little bit available programmatically where companies like Awarity can buy ad space for our clients but that availability ebbs and flows. They're almost selling what they can't sell to the big advertisers there and if you watch those commercials closely you'll generally only see large companies on some of these platforms. We focus on advertising via programmatic again, which is open ad exchanges. So apps that make their commercial slots available 
across these ad exchanges. Things like Pluto TV, which has 54 million users and is growing. If you haven't seen it, go to Pluto.tv. You'll be blown away at the number of channels and the type of content that they have completely free. Um, you, we see things like Tubi growing rapidly as well. Another free platform that has on-demand movies, but also live, live TV. A lot of the cable channels have created their own apps, whether it's Food Network to go, HGTV to go, the different news sites. Um, they all also make their inventory available on the open ad exchange as well. So with Awarity, because we can reach them with the same technology we developed to make banner ads so efficient, we can do the same thing on TV. We offer subscription packages as little as $1,000 a month, where we'll get your commercial seen 25,000 times with non-skippable ad views. Again, targeted down to the zip codes and targeted down to the people that you want to see it. But it is a little bit more fragmented. We're never going to reach your entire community that way just because TV viewership is, is naturally much more fragmented than banner ads. Do you have, when you're working with some of these platforms, because you mentioned quite a few, and I do know that there are some big players out there, and some of our audience will be able to take advantage of it, some of them won't, right? Mm -hmm. However, though, I do want to ask, you know, do you have as much information, um, and, and what I mean by that is the customer information as you do on like YouTube or Google, et cetera. Like I know I can get age, uh, I can yes. get male, female. I know I can obviously, uh, their, their history in regards to what are they consuming. I do know that these companies have that, um, have that content because I do know you have to have that content and that, that behavior because I do know their algorithm. Uh, they, they, they give you other options of other movies that you have liked depending upon obviously what yeah. you've watched before. So they, yeah. they have that data. So I'm curious, do they share that and will they share that? I'm not talking about Netflix and, and Disney because they don't have those established, but the, the ones yeah. currently. No, there there is a lot more data available. And some of the data that we don't use on banner ads actually becomes very applicable on TV because it's a small percentage of the total, of the total cost. We also blend in things like, like the census data. We've curated this massive library of census data where if you said, hey, I want to serve Spanish language commercials in zip codes that over-index for Spanish-speaking Hispanics, we can do that. And it's not using any of the, relying on any of that data from the providers or other third parties. That's purely using census data. If you said, hey, we are a premium product and really it's only for more affluent households, we can isolate zip codes earning over $100,000 a year, let's say, and isolate the commercial views there. And then we augment that with you know, the audience data that we're able to reach, whether that's demographic, interest-based, um, other affinity-based. Affinity so it, it, it's, it's a bit of a blend. We use a slightly different mix on the TV side. We do use a little bit more of that data, but we do try to lean in on that census data and first-party data. There's even uh, data out there on, on demographics of viewership of different programs that we can target based on that as well. Yeah, that's what I was curious because I do know that that would be the strategy that I've I would use mostly off of, off of the, the, the information that I have. Like, hey, people that watch, you know, gracious, you know, new girl, I know that's a Netflix thing, but anyways, just to, for, for iteration points, points, you know, Hey, I know that tends to be women in this age category, blah, 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 et cetera. Uh, but I know Facebook and, and, and YouTube, they've been, a, because of their privacy concerns, sadly, 
they have been able to gather a lot more data on these people. Um, whether it's a good or bad thing, it's really it's really nice for marketers. So that's why I was just curious in regards to yeah. comparison with with this these other platforms that have been able to dominate in that in that user data. Then we understand that the, the importance of it. But also, I love what you're saying in regards to hey, you 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 get a lot of data points from a lot of different areas to make sure that when you're running that, and then also you like you were mentioning, it's not a matter of um, having a direct call to action, hey, go buy this Cheeto bag right now, right? It's more of that brand kind of and that ultimate goal of, hey, that subconscious aspect. Um, have you found, and I'm just intrigued with this, um, that they outperform or outproduce, and it's hard with these kind of campaigns to measure the, the, the revenue success of them, like the return on ad spend sometimes, and I understand that because they're just, the goal is different, right? However, I'm just intrigued because when someone's watching something or consuming something or even like reading an article, you may not be consciously aware, but you're still consuming that information, right? And you right. and I understand how that marketing works. And as long as it gets in front of them, yep. then they, they feel more comfortable, and et cetera, et cetera. There's certain things that you're doing, which is very, very important for the marketing aspect. Yeah. But I'm just curious, have you found that, you know, maybe some evidence or some data points that you have found that, hey, when you're running something on these platforms, that when they're consuming content, you you and I mentioned with, with streaming just exploding, that people just have that more like, you're starting to see these companies start just, you know, really, really scaling because these strategies getting in there when they when they got their guard down, if you will, and they can feed those, those, uh, those marketing campaigns. No, you're, you, look, the area that we're, we're investing in the most, and we have, we have uh, several things in our R&D pipeline for development, future development, things like how we attribute location-based tracking to bringing in our clients' Google Analytics data and then running those similar regression models to say, hey, when you turn this t TV campaign on, this is how your new users to your website changed before and after the campaign started to looking at how we maybe integrate some other forms of marketing and see how those cost metrics are changing over time. I think, I think the hard part is it's in the, the, the true answer is it's hard to measure how you're making someone feel. If you're making someone feel good about your brand and that translates to a sale that's not directly attributed back to the commercial, it, that, that's a hard thing to measure. And so we're piecing together several different tools to paint a more complete picture because a lot of the small to mid-sized businesses that we're working with simply don't have the resources to put that together. And so they end up going back to the football analogy, focusing on the scoring plays. And so one of our tenants is, A, we wanna make it affordable. We wanna make sure that whatever we're asking them to do at the top of the funnel has to be really affordable so that they can continue to invest in the other forms of marketing that are getting them the scores. We're just trying to bring more people to that point. We ask them to give it some time because building awareness and seeing the results from awareness can take a few, a few months. That goes back to the affordable. We promise to be as efficient as possible, deliver as many targeted impressions to the right people as possible. So that way they're getting the maximum return as far as reaching new people. And we report all of that in our dashboard so they can see how many unique people we reached, how many times on average they were served an ad impression. They could even see what percentage of their TV commercials were seen beginning to end. We can track conversions on TV, but that's tough because then you got to match a TV to a cell phone, which isn't always easy. You know, there's there's providers we work with out there that do that, but it's not always easy. It's not a perfect a perfect science. And so, 
we're in this world right now where we're blending the art and the science of marketing and trying to bring them together. And candidly, if you ask me, that's the area we're putting a ton of energy because we know how important, important that is. I know it works, you know it works. I think a lot of experienced marketers know it works, but we have to show people how it works. Yeah, and I like what you're saying as well because this is this this is like top top of funnel, right? A right. way up, way ahead of that customer journey, so that they can come into that ecosystem. You see, you want to make sure you have other marketing campaigns talking directly to those people that obviously want to convert. Like you said, those touchdowns right now, we got to deploy those 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 plays, but in the right time and the right sequence. And I love what you're saying here. Now, I am also. Do you find there are certain strategies that facilitate? I mean, certain campaigns that are better than others. For example, do you find maybe giveaways or uh, more of just um, consumption or content or learn more or education tends to be better as clear messaging, marketing? And also a caveat, when you're at top of top of funnel, right, there are certain metrics that you are analyzing more so than obviously here, like you mentioned, clicks, click, you know, CTR tends to be obviously the, the baseline. You mentioned up here, you're obviously going for more of impressions. Mm-hmm. However, though, I'm intrigued to see when you're talking about impressions, how do you know if this campaign's working or is effective compared to other campaigns? Yeah. What, what, is, what, what does that look like? You know, I think there's two ends of the spectrum that we, we, we talk about with our clients. I think the one end of the spectrum is, hey, look at our metrics that we're able to report. Obviously, we have control over who we reach, how efficiently we're reaching, are we getting a compelling message in front of them? That's what we're ultimately accountable to. We can't always control, and we tell people this up front, we can't always control what happens after that. Um, We've had campaigns, uh, we had a, a, a local university ran a campaign, and the dean said within a few weeks, they filled up the program and they'd been struggling to fill it. And I was like, great, don't give us all the credit. You guys had a high demand program available nights and weekends to work, tailored to working professionals looking for a career change in an area that's rapidly growing. All we did was we were just an amplifier on it. You guys had the right, the right product for your market. You just needed some awareness. We've had others where they're like, hey, we see all this new website visits. We see all the impressions. We're not growing our business. So is it the campaign? And, and in both cases, we say, don't give us too much credit because all we can control is getting in front of the right people as cost effectively as possible. And that means different things to different people. I mean, there, there's talked about minor league baseball. There may be one team seeing a 22 to one ROI and another team seeing a three to one ROI. We're doing exactly the same thing for both. They're just market differences. There's competitive dynamics. There's what's that team done in their market that's different that ultimately dictates how that translates the purchase. So first and foremost, we focus on assessing our metrics and we say, hey, when it comes to cost per impression, when it comes to the targeting and the people we're reaching and how we're isolating the right zip codes, assess us on that and compare us to other top of funnel. And most of our clients, most of our clients really appreciate that. And then they go focus on the other things that they can they can improve on their because they know we're doing that part, we're doing it as efficiently and as effectively as possible. But we do also track conversions. Um, so we'll provide a conversion pixel, and that conversion pixel, when it fires, it can be matched to say, did that was that person served an ad impression recently from us? And if they were, we'll also get credit for the conversion. We use it because people love seeing the data and they like to validate that the campaign's working. But honestly, I think it can sometimes be misleading because it can also give us too much credit and and, and 
when other things along the way may have contributed to that conversion. You know, we may have been that first, those first couple of plays on the football drive that got them to midfield, but they did some other things that helped get them across the line that were above and beyond what, what we did. And it was all working together. And so another reason why our pricing is affordable and, and we're committed to keeping it affordable is we never want to be 100% of our clients' marketing mix. We want them to invest in those lower funnel tactics. We want them to invest in some social and drive some brand engagement. We want them to be able to invest in continuing to optimize their website so that as customers are arriving there, they're finding the information they want. And we just want to be that amplifier at the top because, and that's why our pricing set up the way it is. We're only successful if they're successful. Well, I think this is so important for this audience that's listening. And the reason why, like you mentioned, when, when you're working with some of these, you know, mid seven figure businesses, right? You don't have a lot of traffic organically typing into your product, right? Or yeah. your service or whatever, right? And so that that's dependent only, you know, sure you can convert, you can make decent size, whatever, but you've got to branch out and reach out even bigger. And I love what you mentioned there. Hey, they had to have these other campaigns running, right? It was all part of this whole strategy, but also one of the biggest, highest leverage activities is, hey, you got to drive some traffic and you got to kind of, mandate that a little bit right maybe yeah. there's not organic traffic maybe they're not searching for you hey that's okay but obviously like you're you're, you're saying awareness can come alongside you you've already got these keyword research you got already kind of youtube got all this structured stuff for those that are looking to you know buy now but also you need to drive some traffic to get your awareness out there so people become aware of your product and service and like you said interrupt them but instead of leveraging on facebook and instagram obviously leveraging it or even youtube but leveraging it through uh you know website banner ads and and other other um tv ads as well and uh and like i mentioned one of the things i found is that when they see that content then most likely depending upon your product or your service or whatever they'll go and research it and then yeah. naturally, like you mentioned, they'll go to the landing page and they'll bring them in your funnel and so forth. So they might might not take action. That's why I wanted to talk about the the proper expectations of the KPIs that they should be measuring during that those campaigns. Because those yeah. those those campaigns are a different goal and the result is gonna be different and you're gonna be measuring it slowly slightly different compared to the ones that are CTR, conversions, clicks, et cetera, views, and, uh, and things like that. Um, Aditya, I really appreciate your immense value. I love just the analytical aspect behind this and obviously what you guys are doing with so many companies, uh, just bringing awareness. And like you mentioned, it, you, you can literally see the massive flow of, of traffic. They have to add all those other things in there, additional. However, though, you're, you're seeing that in so many of the companies you work with. Um, if our audience or when our audience have questions or they want to know more about what you do and how to Im uh, implement that into their business, how do they reach out to you? What does that look like, my man? Yeah, I would say the easiest thing to do, go to our website, awarity, A-W-A-R-I-T-Y.com. On the top right, there's a button that says free proposal. The form takes 30 seconds to fill out, but we'll turn around within a business day, a proposal on how we'd approach, an outline of how we'd approach a campaign based on your budget, based on your business. And we've got a process down where we have our research team get into it and We'll come back and say, These are, this is who we believe your target customer is. Here's the, some tools we're going to use to reach them. Here's what you're going to get for the budget that you outlined. And we let our clients pick their budget. Um, like I said, we just want to be one small part of their marketing mix, not their entire marketing mix. And tell them what they'll get for that and how many new people we're going to reach every single month. 
and, and we try to make it easy. Uh, and I think that's, that's probably another thing that people are surprised at is we sometimes make it so easy. I think it's easy to think that you're missing something with it, but we've developed, you know, we've developed processes on how we can reach the right people across a wide range of industries. And guys, those links will be in the description below. So make sure you, you know, stop what you're doing and reach out uh, to Adidia and his team. Uh, because if, like I mentioned, right, you, you may have some really, you know, top of funnel you know, campaigns rock and rolling, maybe, you know, on Google keyword research, maybe on YouTube, maybe on Facebook, et cetera. However, though, you, you know, hey, not a lot of people, you're not getting a lot of traffic that way. We're trying to get people to convert that aren't really looking for your stuff. Well, guess what? That's why he can develop amazing traffic directly to you and, and really amplify what you have to offer. Uh, so make sure you click on those links and, and consume it. It's really nice that you did that for our audience there, Adidia, uh, be able to go in there and create a nice um, kind of analysis and in, in, uh, for, for our audience. Now, I always love to ask my guests before I let you go, is there any last words of wisdom they like to share with our audience? You know, I, I think I think the whole measurement thing is really something that's that's front and center right now. Across industries, people want to be able to measure what they're paying for and what they're getting. And I think what's critical when it comes to marketing is thinking about the KPIs for each step of that journey. And so if you go back to again a sports analogy, you're gonna look at third down conversion but you're not gonna look at that when it's time to score. When you're in the red zone, you really only have one chance to convert a third down at most. And so it's about creating those KPIs around how many new users do you have on your site? How's your organic search been doing over time? Are more people searching for your name and coming to your site? What is the behavior flow when people are coming to your site? What pages are they most commonly visiting on your site? What information are they seeking? And use that insight to inform what you're doing, what you're doing elsewhere. And so set, don't, don't just look at the end results of sales. That's what we all ultimately want from any marketing effort, but start to piece back that journey and how you can build towards those new sales with new people. Woo, such good wisdom on that one, man. Love that. You were dropping it, man. Loved it. Hey, man, I really appreciate you being on. That is the CEO and founder of Awarity, my friend, Aditya Ranasi. Guys, that is Journey with Christian Devon's podcast. Until next time. Always remember, be uncommon if you can.